shrewdness might not seem like a positive quality for a Christian, but Jesus taught his followers that it's often wise for Christians to be shrewd with their resources and opportunities. Let's look at Bible meets life. Businesses often have to take risks to get noticed. And the Minnetonka Corporation did just that in 1980. Although liquid soap has been around, had been around since 1865, people weren't yet using it in their homes. But Minnetonka decided to change that when they introduced soft soap. Since both liquid soap and the pump already existed, they couldn't patent those products. So how could they corner the market before bigger companies took it over? Minnetonka determined that if they could get a six-month lead on their competitors, the market would be theirs. They went to the only two manufacturers of plastic pumps and bought their entire supply, 100 million. Mm -hmm. Wow. Their competitors would have to wait six to eight months for the supply of pumps to be replenished, but they hoped by that time, consumers would be locked in on buying soft soup. Mm. It was shrewd and it was risky, but Minnetonka Corporation took advantage of the resources available, and it paid off big. Mm. Shrewdness doesn't sound like a positive quality in the Christian life, but Jesus challenged his followers with the story of shrewdness. What would happen if we exploited our resources in order to grow the kingdom of God? And what's the point? Be wise with resources and opportunities. Okay, so we be wise with two things. Our resources, whatever we have, and opportunities. Uh, the lesser one is one that we don't think of very much in terms of being wise with. Opportunities. We rightly associate all things righteous and holy with Jesus. Yet, in one parable, Jesus seemed to endorse the unrighteous behavior of one individual. On the surface, his words might seem difficult, but Jesus was pulling a principle out of the unrighteous man's behavior. This principle of how we use temporary things help us, helps us live the righteous life in Christ, to Christ in which we are called. And so we're gonna look at how Jesus used the life of an unrighteous person to teach righteous people something that is very important. Let's look at the first passage. Luke 16, 1 and 2. We want to take that first one. Now he said to the disciples, there was a rich man who received an that his manager was falling with his possessions. So he called the manager in the house. What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you can no longer be my manager. Jesus took an unusual approach. With this parable, he called us to be wise with our resources. This parable involves two men, the rich man and his manager. This managerial position was typically in the Middle Eastern countries during Jesus' time. A manager ran the rich man's business, affairs, and estate. He made decisions regarding the household service and the distribution of goods. 
and conducted business transactions on his master's behalf. We see a similar arrangement much earlier, easier, easier, earlier, earlier in scripture <coughs> with Joseph and Potiphar's Genesis 10 and 1 This manager was running his employee's business into the ground. He was pondering his bosses. Money, Jesus did not clarify how the manager was doing this, or did he reveal what or what he was using the money. But you can hear the dismay in the rich man's voice as he demanded what 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 is this I hear from you? A man he thought he could trust with his business. The business that fed his family was stealing from him. The employer was upset and had really every right to be given a call of your management because you can no longer be my manager. In reality, we have a manager and employees to which business owner, the earth and everything in it, the way it is. <coughs> Inhabitants belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24, verse 1. God created everything and He charged us with the responsibility of overseeing His creation. Genesis 23. We are simply managers of God's resources. Nothing is ours. It all belongs to God. Just like the manager in the parable. The old house meaning guilty of losing God's resources. It was in high school I was freshman. The first time I got an overdraft on my bank account, I thought I had enough time between the deposit of my paycheck and the check. I had written no not <laughs> not reverse, not even close. I felt guilty and ashamed and was taken back to learn that bank charge an old draft fee. Ah, yeah, and it's high. That feeling, feeling. I, I misused God's treasures. I gave away money God had entrusted to me. I lost it to old draft fees simply because of my bad spending habits. I have come to realize. My money is not my own, but that is come, that it comes from the Lord. I am merely a steward, steward of what God has provided me. Money is not the only resources God has placed in our hands. God also has entrusted into our care, our properties, property, possessions, opportunities, and relationships, all we have. They are all resources that can advance the kingdom of God. The influence God has given us in our work can be used productively to honor Christ and advance His kingdom. He has given us time we can waste or we can use it productively to honor Christ and point to Him. In the parable, the manager was called to account at some point we likewise will be held responsible for how we have used our resources and opportunity 
opportunities we would be wise to change our habits, become, become kingdom-minded, and lose everything God has entrusted to us to glorify Him and help others. Heavenly Father, help us to discover new insights from your word today. For your glory, for our benefit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Notice, at first glance, Luke 16 seems to deal primarily with economic issues such as wealth and poverty. However, even economic issues are spiritual issues at their very core. How a person handles his or her wealth ultimately reveals if their master is God or money. We want to remember that. Notice what John MacArthur says. Circumstances don't determine faithfulness. What does? Character. Character does. Not faithfulness, but character. Notice uh, the, the uh, some of the things that we, we've read here um, about the rich man. What stands out? As we read through this past paragraph, these paragraphs, what stands out most to you other than John MacArthur's quote? You have to be accountable. You have to be accountable. Why? Because the resources that you have is not yours, it is entrusted to you by God. Exactly. What you have is not yours, it's entrusted to you, and one day you're going to have to give an account for it, right? One day or another. You know, some people say, well, this is my money, I can do whatever I feel like. But there's coming a day of accounting when you're going to have to give an account to somebody, even though it's your money. You're going to have to give an account. <coughs> what else we notice? Anything else stand up? Trusted and tell Google that this manager couldn't trust them. Okay. He? His manager couldn't trust him. His manager couldn't trust him? I guess he figured the manager didn't know what he was doing. No. And many times people do that. They, they are shrewd and they do things and they don't think uh, the boss knows what's going on. Okay, question number two. How have you seen people mismanage what was entrusted to them? Any examples of that have you seen around in your uh, circumstances? Complacency takes a great part of that business. Complacency? Yes. Okay. Anyone else? Have you seen people mismanage what was entrusted to them? Well, look at the government. Yes. <laughs> right. I was just about to say that. <laughs> okay. look, how, look how the government, post-independence, have mismanaged this country. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to be the richest country per capita on earth. Mm -hmm. And the politicians have mismanaged our country. Mm -hmm. And why? Greed. Filthy lucre. Yes. You know, um, you know, we would wonder, why in the world would a person want to get in a, in a job that only pays $30,000 a year? When they could get a job that pays much more because of the perks, because of the corners they can cut, because of the deals they can cut. You know, whenever I hear of those big contracts that government sign, you know what you think, right? 
go in with three thousand dollars, come out five million dollars when you come out of politics. We can say that. And then when they declare at the beginning of Parliament what their what their net worth is, and then you look at what they have uh, after they leave, it tells you a story. Yeah. All right. You know what is still puzzling to me today? That project where the academy was on what road um, to hear about the millions and millions of dollars that were squandered on that project and to see that there is just a shell there without a roof and it still isn't finished and still isn't finished millions of dollars millions and millions of dollars yeah you know yeah it's it's it's, it's sad yeah and it's it's a it's a of a story that's replete with successive governments. Yes. Next, we will see how the manager responded to his circumstances. We will see what he did. Look at Luke uh, chapter 16, verses 3 to 9. Who want to take that one? Then the manager said to himself, What will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that, so that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master, he asked the first one. A hundred measures of olive oil, he said. Take your invoice, he told him. Sit down quickly and write 50. Next, he asked another, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, and write 80. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. Okay, look at the key word. Key words. A hundred measures of olive oil, verse 6. This would be between 875 to 900 gallons, and the produce from about 150 olive trees, worth about 1,000 denarii, over three years' salary for a common laborer. Wow. Okay. 100 measures of wheat, verse 7. Representing the yield from about 100 acres, it amounted to between 2,500 and 3,000 denarii, eight to 10 years' salary for a common laborer. Okay, so that gives an idea. Yeah. Of how much money and wealth this man was managing and who he was dealing with. Yeah. All right, I'll go ahead, continue. The manager was on the verge of losing everything he had. He couldn't complain about his situation since he was responsible for what he had done. He didn't deny that. But what was his next step? He knew he wasn't strong enough to do hard labor, most likely because he was lazy and struggled even to do a decent day's work. <laughs> <laughs> Some biblical scholars say it was beneath him to move from a managerial position to do manual labor. His pride kept him from the option of begging. I'm ashamed to beg. He would not ask for help. The manager had an aha moment. He was quick on his feet and made a plan. He called in all of his employees, employers' debtors and changed their bills right in front of them. The manager doctored the books in their favor. Mm, you call it cooking the books. Yeah. <laughs> this was an I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine kind of deed. Mm -hmm. He was hoping if he helped them out when he got fired and nowhere, had nowhere to live, he could call upon the debtors to return the courtesy. 
When I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. At this point, we might think this is not going to end well for the manager, but verse 8 contains a surprise. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. He admired him. The owner was surely still upset with the manager. In fact, the manager was stealing a game by changing the bills and the accounting. <laughs> In spite of that, the owner was impressed because his wise manager was thinking outside the box. The manager actually did his boss a favor. He made the owner look good, even generous. At this point, had the owner stepped in and returned the bills to their original amounts, the debtors would have viewed him as oppressive. By reducing the bills, the manager may have even brought in an influx of money the business owner would have struggled to get anyway. So the business owner praised his dishonest manager, not for his underhandedness, of course, but for his shrewd ability to think outside the box. Wow. Unbelievable. Mm. People are doing that today, by the way. No more. Go on. The manager was influencing influencers, those who could influence his future. He was leveraging the influence he had over people who someday might help him. Jesus turned the point of the parable to us. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. All our worldly resources are temporary, and the believer's goal should be to store up treasures in heaven, Matthew 6.20. Therefore, we should be shrewd with what we have, helping those who need our help. We don't buy friends, but we make friends by helping them, and we make a difference in the lives of the friends we've made. Then one day in the future, they will be with us in our eternal home. I know many examples of men and women who use their influence to further God's kingdom. Perhaps you do too. The question we must continually ask ourselves is, am I leveraging everything I am and all I have to further the kingdom of God? Okay, notice the, the manager's assessment of his status and his plan. Notice, his plan for survival. Now he's thinking about what's going to happen to me beyond getting fired. Okay, what does he say first? I'm not strong enough to dig. In other words, I can't handle hard labor. I just can't do it. And you don't want to beg. <laughs> right, you don't want to beg. He's, a, he's too ashamed to beg. Okay, of course he'd be ashamed to beg. When you have a position like he has, and then you have to resort to begging, of course he's going to be ashamed. People are going to look at him and say, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Right? And he, he didn't want that. And so he said, I'll cut deals with those with whom, with whom the owner does business so they will welcome me into their homes after my employment is terminated. Okay, so he's going to cut some deals. And uh, with these people, so that when he gets to that destitute spot state in his life, they're going to have mercy on him and have pity on him because of what he saved them by cutting their invoices. And so he's, he's sort of guaranteeing himself a job here or some, some kind of income. All right. Notice uh, his plan. He met with each of his master's debtors. And so he made an appointment with each of them, so that we ought to talk to you about your, your bill. All right? And he asked them how much they owed. They were honest in telling him because he had the invoice to prove it. All right? 
And then he offered a discount amount to settle the accounts that would benefit the debtors and himself. Now notice, the bottom line was, what's in it for me? Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's his main focus. What is in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? All right? So he was the, 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 the boss, the manager, said, he's good. Man, he's good. He's shrewd. And so he commended them for being shrewd. So look, look at so the, 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 the insight in, in his shrewd, the shrewdness of his, of his, of his plan. But by reducing what was owed, reducing what, what, what was owed would have served to endear the manager to the debtor and most likely he would be friendly to the unemployed manager in the future. In other words, he'd have somebody to turn to. Okay, he'd go to them and says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time now. Remember what I did for you the other day? <laughs> uh, he's calling, calling his markers. Okay, the intent of the manager is, is clear. He was cultivating his personal relationships with these debtors in the present, hoping that they would help him in the future when he had no income coming in, no revenue coming in, no salary, no job. Okay? And so he reduced the debts by eliminating... How do you think he reduced the debts? How could he do the, those, those, make those big cuts? What do you think he did? He cut his commission. That's what he did. He cut his commission. You know, he got commission. You know, whenever salespeople make a, a deal, they get a commission, right? So he cut his commission, uh, which he had induced, which he had included in the original bill. So when the boss made the, when he made up the bill to the boss, he included his commission. And so he says, no, I'm not going to get all of this, so you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut out my commission and I'll get a little something anyway. But then I'm, I'm planning for the future here. So the manager was eliminating the excessive interest rate charged to the debtors. And of course, charging interest to fellow Jews was illegal and immoral according to Jewish law. But he was doing it anyway. And most of the tax collectors were accused of doing that anyway. Um, the manager used his position to authorize the reduction of the amounts used, the amounts these men owed to the rich man. Now, even though the rich man wasn't getting all that he was supposed to get, he says, boy, this guy is good. He's smart. He's shrewd. And so he commended him because of his shrewdness. And that's what the point that Jesus is making here uh, in terms of the unrighteous man and the righteous. Question number three. Do you consider shrewdness a positive or negative quality and why? Think about the story now in answering that question. Do you consider shrewdness a positive quality or yes. negative quality and it why? It is a positive quality. It is a? It is a positive quality. Okay, and why? It's because you have to get rid of the bad apples. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's one way of getting rid of them, huh? Okay, anyone else? Do you consider shrewdness a positive or a negative quality and why? Well, I see a mixture of, I see a mixture of, of a lot of things in this reading. First mm -hmm. and foremost, the, the owner was wise enough to observe the problem. Mm -hmm. And the manager 
knowing that the owner was wise and knowing that he was fired, he did what he had to do to uh, collect what is due to the owner. Mm -hmm. And um, in so doing, that was wise because the owner felt as if he didn't have the ability to collect all that he may not have gotten if this manager that he fired did not take the measures that he did that he did yeah okay and so that that that's why he's uh, the owner praised the manager because he praised him for his ingenuity is what what he did not for his immoral behavior okay but for his ingenuity the master appreciated the cunning create creativity and ingenuity of the disgraced manager all right, the master was impressed by the manager's resourcefulness. And Jesus contrasted two types of people, children of this age and the children of light. Last passage, uh, Luke 16, 10 to 12. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So, if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? Mm. Jesus started off simply, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. It's an objective truth that seems clear enough, but in verses 11 to 12, Jesus made it personal. So, if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? Jesus turned the spotlight on us. Faithfulness is really a heart issue. If we are not responsible with what we have, if we are not taking care of it or using it wisely, why should we receive more? John MacArthur said, Circumstances don't determine faithfulness. Character does. We can see this in financial giving. An individual might say, If I had more, I would give more. But he most likely wouldn't. It's, first of all, a heart issue, a matter of faithfulness. If your heart is not invested in it, you won't give. On the other hand, if you're interested in seeing God's kingdom grow, you invest in it. Jesus pointed to a poor widow who had little, very little, but she gave all she had in Luke 21, 1-4. God does not measure the size of our gift, Instead, he measures our hearts, how sincere and selfless we are. Parents understand what Jesus was teaching. If a child is destroying or making ill use of his toys, chances are his parents will not buy him new toys. Similarly, if we are being irresponsible in mishandling what our Heavenly Father has given us, why would he bless us with more? Character is of major importance here. During a high school mission trip, our leaders instructed us to leave things better than we originally found them. Why? I understand cleaning up after myself, 
but why would I treat other people's property better than my own? Because it's biblical. If we can't be faithful with other people's property, why should we be trusted with our own? For those who think they have nothing to offer or no influence to leverage, think again. Do you have a living room? Open your home up to encourage and support other believers. I've heard story after story of people coming back from Bible studies where they met other people with similar interests. Consequently, they formed ministry groups based on those these interests. These groups have gone on to create a big impact for God's glory. And when you are faithful with what God has provided and you use it with kingdom-mindedness, you will be fruitful. Earlier, we read Psalm 24, 1. God created everything and it's all his. We are merely the stewards God has entrusted to take care of his possessions. We don't own what we think we own. Let's be shrewd and faithful with the resources God has placed in our hands to manage. Okay, uh, look at question number four. How can believers wisely use resources to gain friends for eternity? Any ideas? How can believers wisely use resources to gain friends for eternity? By it's helping those who are in need. By helping those who are in need, okay. Anyone else? So we see Jesus in verses 10 to 12 given the conclusion of the parable. And what does he say? Notice, uh, verse 10 is objective truth. Verse 10 and 11, verse 11 and 12 make it personal, right? Faithfulness is the heart of the issue. That's the bottom line of the whole issue. Faithfulness. Uh, the Bible tells us that it is required of a man to be found faithful. Uh, God wants us to be faithful. Circumstances don't determine faithfulness. Character does, according to John MacArthur, right? Yes. Character is what really counts. God created everything and it's all His. And sometimes we forget that. We forget that. We think it's, it's mine, it's me, myself, and I. We, we hear people talking about being self-made men and self-made women. There's no such thing. God created everything and it's all His. You know, we, 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 we think about that, that uh, verse that talks about uh, God owning the cattle on a thousand hills. Mm -hmm. I always like to say, well, guess what? He owned a thousand hills too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not just the cattle on it, but the thousand hills. We are merely stewards. God has entrusted to take care of his possessions. You know, when I got the job that I have, uh, one of the things that the, 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 um, my employer said, oh, we don't have to worry about that no more. We go, they travel all over the world, they go all over the place, and when they're out of the country, they say, oh, we're not worried, because we, 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 we know we have in charge. All right? And this is what stewardship is really all about. You know, and it, it amazes me how much those people are so trusting. I mean, amazingly trusting. I, I, I can't count the number of people who have keys to their house. They have a $1.9 million penthouse, and everybody's got a key. 
you know, I remember when I when I when I um, uh, first got to the company and uh, uh, they were dealing with some some um, some deeds and land papers and documents and stuff. And I said, um, why don't you have a safe? They never even thought about it. So I took them down to Martha Aubrey's store. They bought two safes, one for the office and one for their house. <clears throat> Stewardship. God is entrusted to take care, trusted, God is entrusted stewards to take care of his possessions. We don't own what we think we own, do we? A lot of times you think you own stuff and you don't own it. For those who have a mortgage, guess who owns your house? <laughs> so let's be shrewd and faithful with the resources God has placed in our hands to manage. Notice what uh, Psalm 24.1 says, and we read it all the time, we hear it all the time. The earth is the Lord's, and everything, not some things, everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. That's sobering, isn't it? Nothing belongs to us. It's all God's. Okay, our time is gone, so we got to wrap it up here. Um, uh, some highlights as we conclude um, Jesus' points. Question five. Oh, question five. Let's do question five. What is the small stuff that's been entrusted to us? What do you consider the small stuff that's been entrusted to you? Something that doesn't carry receipt. <laughs> Something. <laughs> okay. Time. Huh? Time. Time. Okay. People don't consider time. Uh, people go on the on the person's job and they waste time. Uh, don't don't care for it. What else? Small stuff. Water sometimes. Hmm? Water. Water? Okay. A lot of people just turn the water on, just go off somewhere, and then come back and maybe turn it off again right then. Yeah, but it's amazing. You know, the office that I work, the complex where I work, uh, the development company have meters for all of the buildings in the complex. And a couple of times I get the bill and um, and when I look at the bill, I can tell when there was a wastage or a leak or something. Mm -hmm. The bill is extremely high. And I remember a couple of times uh, the office next door that we lease uh, to the lawyer, uh, a couple of times I got the bill and I looked at it, whoa! And so I had to go and ask, you know, did you check the toilet to make sure the toilet is running properly? And guess what? The, the tank? Yeah. They, they flushed the toilet and the, the and thing didn't come up and it kept running and it ran all weekend. Mm -hmm. And when they went in, the bill was a couple hundred dollars yep. because they charged uh, the, the water charge and they charged the sewage charge. Mm -hmm. So when the water charges go up, the sewage charges automatically go up. And that happened several times. So I had to call the plumber and I get them going to change everything in the tank, change all the guts in the tank, right? So that it doesn't happen. It happened a couple of times, right? But, it still comes back. Yeah, it happened a couple of times. So the faithful and unrighteous differ in their values, but individuals in each group are consistent in their use of resources, whether very little or a lot. Notice Jesus contrasted two types of wealth, worldly wealth and genuine wealth. The genuine wealth is what? 
That's eternal wealth. That's a genuine wealth. Genuine wealth is eternal wealth. God expects us to use what he has given us wisely, not only wisely, but righteously. There are a lot of people who have stuff uh, that God has entrusted to them and they're not using it wisely. They're using it unwisely uh, by uh, doing a lot of things with it that God would not honor or God would not be pleased with. Let's look at uh, live it out. How do we flesh this out? How will, you, how will you be wise with what God has placed in your hands? Three points. Confess. If up to this point you have used your time, resources, and possessions only for yourself, confess that to God. Ask Him to change your heart and use what He has entrusted to you for the sake of others and for His kingdom. List. Make a list of the resources and possessions at your disposal. Beside each item, list one or two ways you could use those in service to Christ. Develop a strategy for using those things for Him. And then work together. Join with others who share a like-minded interest or passion and consider how you can work together to use that interest to benefit others and advance Christ's kingdom. Three points. Confess, list, and work together. Your choice. And so God wants us to be reminded of the importance of being good stewards of every single thing that God has entrusted to us. Father, give us wisdom to be good stewards of all you've given us. Give us the courage to be shrewd and righteous in all of our dealings in order that you might be glorified and that we may be in your sight good stewards and wise stewards. This we ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.